You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is The Sweet By and By, and I'm going to attempt to do something today. It's kind of like launching a rocket onto an asteroid that's headed toward Earth. It's hard to stop, but if you can nudge it just a little bit another direction, maybe something will change. So, we're going to try to nudge a little bit today. All right, let me read you something I found on the Wall Street Journal online. They kind of do these postings during the day, the week before Thanksgiving and of Thanksgiving and throughout the season, and they kind of track what's going on out there in the shopping market. And Tuesday of Thanksgiving week, here's how kind of one of the postings they put there. In WSL Strategic Retail's latest How America Shop survey, 53% of shoppers said they plan to spend less on holiday gifts this year. The reasons are twofold. Number one, consumers have less money to spend, and they feel, secondly, that, quote-unquote, there is nothing new and interesting to buy. So you don't spend money, why? Because there's nothing new and interesting to buy. If there was something interesting, whether we need it or not, we just buy it. On Friday of Thanksgiving week, things got out of hand at Walmart store in Orlando, Florida, where a man who allegedly cut in line to get a discounted laptop computer was wrestled to the ground by security guards. And you could even click on that link, and there was a video. They had cameras rolling when this guy broke into line, and all hell broke loose in this Walmart. Same day, they posted in a fall survey, 20% of shoppers said they plan to complete their holiday shopping by Thanksgiving. Nearly half said they wait until the last week before Christmas, while 23% finished the day before, according to the Direct Marketing Association. Another one about Walmart. Walmart opened at 5 a.m. on Black Friday, which is the term for the day after Thanksgiving, and many other retailers, including Best Buy, followed suit. But Children's Place retail stores took it to a whole new level, pulling an all-nighter at its Disney stores in New York, Texas, and Alabama, which opened just after midnight on Thursday night or Friday morning. Target opened at 6 a.m. and offered free wake-up calls this weekend from celebrities including model Carolyn Murphy, country crooner Brad Paisley, and Muppet Kermit the Frog. So you could even get a wake-up call if you're crazy enough to go shopping that early. On Saturday of Thanksgiving week, the Chicago-based research group doing this survey reported overall sales Friday totaled $8 billion, down 0.9% from a year ago, despite heavier discounting and expanded hours that drew a surge of shoppers to stores in the early morning hours. And it goes on to talk about this price grabber. It says that comparison shopping service said Saturday that saw a 77% increase in the number of shoppers over last year's Black Friday. Just goes on and on talking about our shopping patterns and what we do and our rush to go out and buy things that we really don't need for people that really don't want them sometimes. And my frustration, we talked over the Thanksgiving week, we draw names in our family. So you don't buy something for everybody. You pick a name and you go for that person. But I can remember times going shopping before Christmas and I get in a store and I've got somebody's name and I don't have a clue what they want. And whatever I'm about to buy them, they don't need. For years, I bought my brother these silk shirts. I'd find a, you know, a silk shirt at Ross or some discount store, and I'd finally, he just told me, he said, Richard, I don't wear silk shirts. 
I don't want a silk shirt. He was very nice about it, but I kept giving him these shirts that I thought were kind of comfortable and nice. Of course, I would never wear them, but thought he might. Finally, he communicated to me, he doesn't want silk shirts, but we feel this compulsion, this pressure in the sweet by and by out there just to grab stuff and to have something to give that is meaningless. Frank A. Clark says, modern man is frantically trying to earn enough to buy things he's too busy to enjoy. Garth Brooks says, you aren't wealthy until you have something money can't buy. Will Smith said, too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. And Paul McCartney, if you know his song titled Junk, says, bye-bye, says the sign in the shop window, why why says the junk in the yard. Now, if you go look into the Christmas story itself, wise men brought gifts to Jesus. So we say, well, Christmas is about giving gifts. Well, let's start there then. If the wise men brought gifts, who did they bring them to? To Jesus. When's the last time you took a gift to Jesus? And do we even think about that? It's all about giving stuff somebody doesn't need. You know, maybe there is stuff you do need, and that's a great thing, and it's all fun and exciting. But a lot of this is about tradition, and tradition isn't bad. But if you get on the other side of Christmas, and all you got to show for your tradition and your Christmas is a bunch of credit card bills that you shouldn't have, you're in trouble. And I love one of the things we do crown ministries around here, and one of the things you see people who have been through that on their credit cards, maybe their checkbook, is a little sticker. And on that sticker, what does it say? God's money. And every time you pull that credit card out, every time you pull that checkbook out and you go to spend it, just think about it. This is not your money. And really, if you don't have the money and you're charging it, it's nobody's money. It's money you're going to have to buy back somewhere in the future. You're going to have to pay for that. And you don't even know where it's coming from. You're just postponing the pain a little bit. Now, some suggestions before we jump in the scripture here just practical stuff here then you say what does it have to do with god and church it has everything to do because if you're mismanaging your money you're going to be in a lot of stress a lot of trouble one of the top three things that causes marriages to fail one of them is sex one of them is communication and one of them is money and money is probably the biggest one because everything else is going to shut down if you got stress in money i can assure you set a limit some kind of budget give it some thought don't wait till the last minute and simply put just pray about what you're doing if you would stop and you say, okay, Lord, what do you want us to do this year? You might find out that you'd say to your kids, well, you know what? Why don't we buy some stuff for somebody else? Or why don't we cut back on what we're going to spend on ourselves and let's make a donation to some group in China that's got nothing or just something outside of your own house, your own life, and do something for somebody else somewhere else instead. Now turn to Psalm 49. And this is a pretty tough look at those with money, some with lots of money. But you know what? Most people listening to me have lots of money. You say, well, we got poor people here too. You know what? Compared to most people in the world, we're all rich. Everybody in here is rich compared to most people in the world. Psalm 49, let's just start with verse one. We're going to go through a few verses today and see what the scripture says. And my heading in the scripture here that's put in by the editor says the confidence of the foolish. And verse one says this, hear this all peoples, give ear all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will disclose my dark saying on the harp. Why should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity at my heels surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him, for the redemption of their souls is costly, and it shall cease forever, that it should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. 
And let's go back to that phrase where it says, for the redemption of their souls is costly. Ultimately, what did it cost? It cost Jesus his life's blood, his body broken, his blood spilled out. He was crucified, buried, raised from the dead. The price is very high. It cost God his only son to redeem those. You can't buy somebody's life with money, their soul with money. Verse 10, for he sees wise men die. Likewise, the fool and the senseless person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inner thought is that their houses will last forever. Their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. And I'm not being critical here, but even a ranch like the King Ranch. We name it after a family, the King Ranch. And little by little, it's harder to keep those ranches together and it gets chopped up and chopped up. And you know what? Given enough time, it's history. That was a piece of the old King Ranch. But they name their property call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man, though in honor, does not remain. He is like the beast that perish. So in the final analysis, what's the difference in us and the animals? We all die. We're like the beast that perish. This is the way of those who are foolish and their posterity who approve their saying, Selah. Like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. The upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall be consumed in the grave, far from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Do not be afraid when one becomes rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lives, he blesses himself, for men will praise you when you do well for yourself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. A man who is in honor yet does not understand is like the beasts that perish. Not a great commentary on people who are rich and think this is it. You know what? They're dying. And when I, sometimes I'll sit down and talk to someone who's got a lot of money and you almost can sense the panic because they realize they can't take anything with them and they've become aware that the children they've raised maybe are complete imbeciles and don't know what they're going to do with it. So a man who has consumed his life with making money knows he's going to die and leave it to a bunch of kids who are going to squander it. And it's bad enough to know you're dying and having to leave it, but then to know it'll be wasted when you're gone is just almost overwhelming to these guys. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Now, Jesus put it pretty plainly here. And again, I know there's very little chance that I'm going to change anybody or anything. And I understand that. But we're going to fire the shot out of the bow anyway and make an attempt at causing you to think before you do certain things this year or some year and not get yourself into the mess that you're in and think about what you're doing, what you're buying, why you're buying and what it's going to cost you in terms, especially of here in Matthew chapter six, by not doing what Jesus talked about. In Matthew 6, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now this is back to the point. Jesus had gifts brought to him by wise men. What kind of gifts are you bringing to Jesus? What kind of treasures are you laying up? And by the way, we're not building any buildings. Anybody listening here today or on the radio someplace, this isn't a fundraiser about building some buildings and some empire here. This is just about you making deposits in a place that will last forever where nobody can steal it from you. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. What are you going to have to show for when you get there? Now, clearly treasures, when we talk about this laying up treasures, about buying things, accumulating things. 
What have you got on the other side that when you get here, you said, you know what? I knew that was going to be here. I've been making deposits over here for decades. I've been trying to invest wisely in eternity, not just in this life, not in stuff that can be eaten up by moths and that thieves can steal. George Lorimer said this, it's good to have money and the things that money can buy, but it's good too to check up once in a while and make sure that you haven't lost the things that money can't buy. Go to Matthew chapter 16, and we'll begin with verse 24. Now, what he says in verse 24 is pivotal to what he's going to say in the next few verses. And this is where Christianity is not very popular. Everybody wants a ticket to heaven, then live like hell, do what they want to do with their lives, and who cares? But when you get down to the practical side of it, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. At some point, this denying ourselves is going to have to kick in. And to deny yourself means I go to do something. I go to buy something. I go to accumulate something else. And I say, you know what, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he says, I want you in this instance to deny yourself. Say no to you. Take up your cross, which the cross represents suffering, some cost, some sacrifice, and follow me. Where did that get Jesus? It cost him his life. And this will cost you your life. But if you lose your life, and we'll get to that here in just a second, let's read this. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, I'll give you a personal deal in my own life. eBay is a very interesting phenomenon. And I enjoy sometimes just doing searches. You can find the wildest stuff. I'm sure you've seen Jesus on the toast and all that stuff on eBay. And people spend crazy money for crazy stuff. But you go on there and you see something. You think, well, this is a deal. This is a bargain. Before you bid on eBay, pray. You say, well, what difference does it make? It's a deal. It's, it's cheap. It's not your money. Now, if you pray and say, Lord, is it okay for me to buy this? And he says, absolutely, it's my money, but you know what? It's for you to enjoy too. I blessed you, let's do this, then do it. But when you go into any store, get online, doing anything, it's so simple. If you'll just pray, God will protect you. And we all know what buyer's remorse feels like. You go in a store, you get a buzz, you buy something, you're all excited, it comes, you open it, you get it and you go, oh, it's just that. Or you go in your closet and you got stuff hanging in the closet with tags still on it from when you bought it. It was exciting to buy, but you didn't need it when you bought it or you'd be wearing the thing. Think about it before you buy. Now, this is obviously going to be one of our number one bestseller CDs. People just love this stuff. I don't want to deny myself. I want what I want when I want it. I want to feel good for a minute. And in my way of feeling good, maybe your way is to buy something. Wow, look what I got. And I feel better because I have this thing on or that I possess this thing. But it ends up, these things end up possessing us. And what profit, again in verse 26, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Verse 27, for the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Henry David Thoreau said, superfluous wealth can buy superfluities only. Money is not required to buy one necessity of the soul. Go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. Now, I think this is one of the biggest challenges. And by the way, let me insert this while you're trying to find Hebrews chapter 13. Here's how slippery this stuff is. There are some of you who have money just nailed down tight. You wouldn't buy anything. You haven't bought anything in a decade. You wouldn't spend a dime. And you think, well, I got all this figured out. This sermon's for all these people. You know what? This sermon's for you too. If you're sitting there so proud in all your holiness, 
that you don't have this problem. Oh, thank God that I'm not like those sinners. I've got my money under control. If you're sitting there all tight wadded up and thinking this is about everybody else, you might need to rethink what you're thinking because you might end up with more pride about being frugal and the trouble that everybody else has got nowhere near your problem. Let me tell you what I believe is a good way to indicate whether you're okay in this area. If you've got your money under control and you are sitting there praying, God help me help other people because I've been in a mess before I see the mess. If you have compassion and mercy toward people who are in a mess, that's a good indicator. If you're judging people by saying, well, you know what, they got themselves into that. I'm glad I'm not like that anymore. That's not me. This is painful stuff. And all I'm trying to do again is nudge the asteroid just a little bit another direction because by January, February, and everybody talks about these things, when fuel costs go up, your heating bill shows up, the credit card bill shows up, you know what? This is gonna be the most tense, insane, stressful situation because we got people in just right below the surface. Families are in trouble. And they're trying to say, how did this happen to us? You know what's coming. Why not prepare for it by not just buying a bunch of stuff you don't need? Now look at Hebrews chapter 13. Where does some of this sweet by and by come from? Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, it's interesting people quote that phrase. You know, Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. In the context of what? Of being covetous. In the context of being content with what you have. How are you able to be content? Because he's with you no matter what. I will never leave you or forsake you. How can you not be content with that? But covetousness, we look around and the pressure to have what somebody else has and to go where someone else goes. And I'm telling you guys, this is subtle, but it's not so subtle. You're looking around, you're thinking, well, so-and-so went skiing on their vacation. They took their family skiing. Do you know how much it costs to go skiing with a whole family? All the rentals and all that stuff? I think it's great. If you can afford to go skiing, go skiing. We haven't been skiing yet because it's a very expensive undertaking. But if I get under pressure and think, well, you know what? They went skiing, they went skiing. We got to go skiing. My kids are missing out. They're not keeping up with all the experience that everybody else has. And so you whip out a credit card and say, that's it. We're going skiing today. We'll pay tomorrow. Now we may all go skiing, but you know what? My memory of skiing is going to be not the skiing, but the bills that came in after the skiing. You say, well, my neighbor drives a car and then I got to have that kind of car. And it's all exciting until you buy the car and drive off the lot and it depreciates $10,000 in the first mile. And you're going, what have we done? And you want to take it back and you can't take it back. They don't want it back. You're the idiot that bought it. God bless you think you know what this is so no-brainer in some ways just stop and think and if you can't think pray you'd be amazed what God will reveal to you and how he will protect you you can be content if you remember that I will never leave you or forsake you now I'm not saying I don't see things I like or want but I must be getting way too old because I'm having to make stuff up now I like try to get excited about buying something or needing something and then one of the worst nightmares of Christmas someone saying well what do you want for Christmas if you don't need anything, you're going to make something up just to get them off of you. I got to buy you something. Don't buy me anything. Give me a, you know, cash. A lot of people in the surveys just want cash. <laughs> we'll move that to a worthy cause. Let me read it again. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, now what does that cause us to be able to say, boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. 
what can man do to me? There's an old Swedish proverb that says, if you buy what you don't need, you steal from yourself. First Timothy chapter six, turn over there. First Timothy six, 17 to 19. And Paul writes to Timothy here and says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now, from swinging from being poor, maybe you say, well, I'm poor, my problem is not spending money, I don't have any money to spend, I can't even get a credit card, I'm broke. You say, well, you go from that, you swing and you say, well, it's the rich people, they're the problem. Let me tell you something. A godly person with a lot of money has a huge responsibility. And if you ever sit down and talk to someone who God has blessed, whether they've worked hard for that money, they've inherited it, having a bunch of money is a tremendous burden. And I'm sure y'all would like to, you know, all have the challenge of living through that burden. But when you've been given that money and blessed with that money, you have a responsibility to dispense that money the way God says to dispense it and to be a steward of that money. And you can't just sit on it. You've got to move it or God somehow sometimes will take it or just says, you know what? I can't use this person because they're just sitting on it. If you have been blessed with money, God will find out. And then the proverbial, well, if I had a million dollars, I'd give a hundred thousand dollars to missions. You got a hundred bucks. You won't give 10. You'll never give a hundred thousand on a million because when you break it down, if someone gave you a million dollars, the government's going to get half a million. And if you are a true tither on the gross, you're going to tithe a hundred thousand. You got 400 grand left from your million, just like that. Whoa, 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 whoa. I know the government's got to have theirs, but God doesn't need, you know, let's give him 50,000 on the 500,000 I got left. You know why God didn't give you a million dollars? You can't even handle the thought of it. Now, I'm asking you and suggesting to you that during Christmas, especially as you look around, as you carry around all this money, if you will do the right thing at this time of year with God's money, you will not do the wrong thing with the rest of it as much as you have in the past. Because if you're willing to talk to God about what's his, you will ask him about the rest and he'll say, no, whoa, 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 what are we doing? You don't need this stress. You don't need this pressure. Stop. Don't buy something for your wife or your husband or somebody you can't afford because it's gonna be that moment of whatever and you go, okay, how are we gonna pay for this? But it looked good and it sounded good and we did Christmas. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I wanna share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. Let me read you the words to a song. It's an old song, and the title is In the Sweet By and By. How many of you ever heard of this song, The Sweet By and By? There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. We shall sing on that beautiful shore the melodious songs of the blessed, and our spirit shall sorrow no more, nor a sigh for the blessing of rest. 
In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. The last verse, to our bountiful Father above, we will offer our tribute of praise for the glorious gift of his love, the blessings that hallow our days. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. If we would focus more on the sweet by and by, we'd focus less on the sweet by and by here, spending money we don't have to impress people we don't even like, that we don't even know. Now, you realize what's really important, and that when it gets right down to it, it's about people. It's about heaven. It's not about the temporary. It's about the eternal. It's not about accumulating things here. It's about making deposits there. It's about living for things that matter. It's about storing up treasure in heaven. He has invested in us and given us the opportunity to invest in his kingdom and in what matters to him, as the verse says, for us to glorify God in our body and our spirit, which are God's. We are bought with a price. Let's focus more on the sweet by and by, not just on the sweet buying and buying that goes on here. Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.